Hello, everyone. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith, joined by Derek Terry. Derek, how are you today? Doing well, Sean. How are you? Doing well. We have a Mailbag Monday episode here. We're going to do football for this episode. Kentucky coming off a 28-23 win versus UT Chattanooga. Derek, I'm sure we got some fans in the mailbag probably thinking, oh, is Kentucky any good? And we're going to discuss all that uh, before Kentucky travels to Columbia this week for a game. And you sh- you tweeted out, well, John Clay tweeted out Mark Stoops' SEC road record. It's It's not very good. So this is the area where this program needs to take a leap and it needs to win more on the road. And that, that, that to me, that's, that's where this thing starts is Saturday in Columbia. Yeah, that's not very good, but you know, they're eight and 25 overall on the road. Um, but two and two against South Carolina on the road. They got their, actually their first SEC win under Stoops on the road was that South Carolina in 2015 sent Steve Spurrier into retirement. And then, um, Followed that up in 2017 with a win over South Carolina. And then, of course, uh, 2019 was the last time Kentucky played down there. 24-7 loss was heading for a shutout before Lynn Bowden became quarterback. And, of course, as they say, the rest is history with that season. But, yeah, no question. First games on the road are always tricky. Um, I think the good news is – having a veteran team, you know, this will not be anything new. I don't think to even anybody. I mean, even Will Levis, who's a, a first-time starter, played a big role in 2019 on the road to Ohio State. He got in that game and almost let it come back. So, I mean, even he has some experience playing in hostile environments. But this is, uh, in my opinion, one of the better one of the better road environments in the SEC, honestly, from what I've seen. I've been to quite a few stadiums. And – uh a night game down there, man, it, it's up there with the best of them. It is. It will definitely be a tough place to play, a tough place to go get a win, regardless of what you think about the South Carolina team. It's a, it's a road game in the SEC, and uh, there, there's no such thing as, as easy ones at night in the SEC, especially oh, no. at Williams-Brice. So, uh, maybe we'll at Vanderbilt. <laughs> maybe, yeah. We'll, so we'll see what happens Saturday night. But let's, let's talk. Let's get into this mailbag. Let's start with UK Shane's question. Do you guys think that – that game, the game Saturday, they was looking ahead to the South Carolina game. The defense and the offense both was off really bad. And then he has at the end a, a basketball part Derek Lively is going to Duke as much as I hate it. So, <laughs> but uh, we'll stick with the football side of this. Do, do you think, I don't necessarily think that it was as much looking ahead, Derek, as it was as, as looking back. I think they got caught looking back more than they got caught looking ahead, if that makes sense at all. I think they were just kind of still living off that moment from Missouri. Heard all the good stuff said about them all across different platforms, radio shows. These guys are on social media more now than they've ever been with NIL. I think they were looking back. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, it's, you know, a non-conference game, an FCS opponent sandwiched in between two SEC teams. So, I agree with you, too. I mean, the talk, I'm like, I don't, I don't think the media plays any role in how well a team performs or not. but almost none of the talk this week was about Chattanooga, which is not uncommon for an FCS opponent. It's just typical. We don't really dig into a team like that that much. So I, I go ahead. Well, Liam Cohen even said that he yeah. didn't prepare. So like that, if, if that's, if your coaches aren't even preparing at a certain level that they think is acceptable, then I mean, your guys are too, not saying it's Liam Cohen's fault, 
but he said he didn't scheme, you know, the run scheme. He didn't scheme it up well enough. Yeah, I said he took things for granted against Chattanooga. So I do think, um, like I said on yesterday's episode, if they come out and play that poorly again this weekend, then it would be time to worry. But we've seen them play poorly before against teams that they should handle and come out the next week and play much better. So that's my expectation for Saturday. I have no doubt that they're going to be significantly better. Will Will Levis tweeted it. A couple other guys tweeted it that, you know, that wasn't acceptable, that they're going to be better. And, hey, it's easier – it's better to learn from a win than it is to learn from a loss. That's the one thing that I'll say, which Jonathan leads us into, since I couldn't watch the game, could you please just give a summary of what went wrong? Also, should I go ahead and sell my Florida tickets? I'm not emotionally stable enough for a beat-down life. (laughs) I'm going to answer the last half of that. Do not sell your Florida tickets. No. No. Um. Again, I'm not making excuses for anybody, but, like, the motivation factor is a huge thing in college football. We talked about UK's game against Missouri being their big game all offseason. Well, Florida had Alabama. I mean, they were going to be up for that game at home. Just played them in the SEC championship last year. You know, they played – who did they play? They played FAU and they played USF, Florida had. So, two, two games that they were heavy favorites. They won both easily. So, I mean, that was, like, their first real – opponent you could say this year and they got up for it uh could have won I mean they were right there had a chance to to beat Alabama so um and they they got they a tough emotional game this week Tennessee too. yeah I mean that's what I'm saying like and then you gotta go back on the road to UK which UK could be 4-0 with the win this weekend like I would not sell your Florida ticket by any means uh summary of the game what went wrong I mean sloppy I just thought it was sloppy on offense two turnovers uh, three turnovers technically although one was it was a fumble but it was also on fourth down so it was going to be a turnover on downs regardless uh if he was sacked or whatever offense didn't play well but they made the plays you know Isaiah Cummings and Isaiah Epps both caught their first touchdown passes I mean there were some good things I went back and I did go back and watch it yesterday um, some things in the passing game I thought were, were better on the rewatch than what I maybe thought live. Um, they did some good things. But defensively, like we talked about yesterday, uh, no sacks. Actually, he might have sent this question before we recorded, Sean, looking at this now. Jonathan might have gone back and listened to our – I would recommend going back and listening to Sunday's episode because uh, we pretty much hit on what went wrong in that episode. I had some people say that we answered every single question they had. And you know, some people and we know that some people didn't get to watch the game. We know that and some people and some people knew how to watch the game, but still couldn't get the get the stream to work. I saw a lot of people having issues with that. So it was frustrating for everyone Saturday. you don't have to worry about that for a while now. Who I don't I don't know about the New Mexico State week. That seems like another window where something like that could happen. But as of now, Derek, every game the rest of the way is gonna be on the yeah. network or ESPN or something. So I don't think fans will have to worry about missing anymore for a bit. So let's move. Do to- you want to talk real quick about uh, this? Actually, I saw it popping up on Twitter and people, eh, people will know here soon, but I, I want to get you on the record, your prediction for what time the Florida game will be, because that is a loaded. We talked about it. We, we texted about it yesterday, but that is a loaded Saturday in the SEC. Well, coming and, and I was talking to some people from UK on Saturday after the game, some people in media relations upstairs, and they were even like, because, well, Keeley got 
sunburnt <laughs> at the game Saturday <laughs> shooting photo. I don't know if you saw September sunburn. <laughs> and uh, she said, thank God we won't have any more of these in the, like in the day. Cause she even just assumed. And then somebody goes, well, I don't know. Have you seen that slate for the Florida week? And which makes me think Derek, it could, they could get a noon ESPN slot for yeah. that game. When's the last time that game was played in the day? Last year. But oh gosh, though. yeah. I, well, I completely wiped <laughs> that one from my memory. For never mind, that was such a bad game that they've not played a day game at home under Stoops not against Florida. I mean, okay. I'm, let me make my prediction here. So Alabama, Alabama, Ole Miss, they're going to get the. What do you predict on that one? CBS, CBS for that one. Yeah. Arkansas and Georgia will get the ESPN game. Kentucky and Florida will get. If Kentucky, oh, Kentucky and Florida will get, I'll go ESPN too. That's seven. Yep. Yeah, I think that's what I, I think that's the way I'm going to go to. Um, Tennessee and Missouri I, will be the noon game on the network. Yeah, that or seven. Not on the network, but uh, noon on ESPN. And then I think Auburn and LSU will be the seven thirty SEC network game. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Kentucky will find a way to get at night time, but it won't uh there's definitely a path though. I mean there's a quite a few really good matchups. Could you see this being can. one of those things where it says to be determined after Saturday's games? Could you see Could it? Yeah. Where you wait and see if Kentucky's undefeated, Florida's undefeated. I mean Kentucky's right on the verge of breaking into the coaches poll. They're, they're well, I mean if out. if Florida loses to Tennessee somehow, I mean they're two and two and it's a UK loses to South Carolina the three and one, I mean is I could maybe see it becoming more of a new matchup there, but <laughs> I think for now, it, uh, yeah, you might see some games get played. Do what? Listen, we put our own mailbag yeah, question we did. in the mailbag we today. Did. We can move on. I mean, people are going to know probably by the time they listen to this, it'll be determined. But well, at least they'll know that we predicted it because it's ten twenty-five, yeah. and we've not been very good at our predictions. I called uh, a forty-something <laughs> to three win against UT Chattanooga, so don't listen to me. Uh, Ben's question is, did Saturday's game maybe point to Will Levis actually having accuracy issues at certain distances and instead of it just being fluky random interceptions after the first three games? Look, Derek, the one interception was a horrible decision by him. The other one was such a long throw across the field to the boundary that I think he just put a little too much air under it. It was a really good play, too. It was a really good play. I I think more of his – accuracy issues are on those crossing routes and those balls across the middle of the field where the timing is just off he's and for someone that throws the ball as hard as he does I think that's going to get cleaned up I don't see him throwing the ball behind people for for the entire for his entire career I just think that that's maybe some timing issues there maybe he's holding on to the ball just a little bit too long Derek maybe they want him to see those openings a little sooner I think that that's where his biggest weakness is right now I'm not worried about the the interception to the boundary i just think that that was a heck of a play yeah i think so too um i mean i don't think there's any question he has he struggles to throw the ball over the middle with guys who are you know running crossing routes over the middle it's it's consistently behind guys uh we've seen that through three games and you know i don't you hope just with more reps he gets a little better i mean josh ali made a really nice catch that first drive but again it was well behind him um He, he makes – when he throws out to the sidelines, he, he's very – seems very accurate to me. Um, he, he threw one to Wondell. I guess you could call it a drop, but he got – Wondell got hit pretty hard, and, and Levis did too. Levis got crushed on that throw. 
Uh, offensive line was not very good, I mm-hmm. didn't think. Uh, I mean, well, they, there, were, there were times they were. I mean, the touchdown pass to Cummings was a great pocket. Um, the long pass to Robinson in the first half, again, they've ran that play all three games, and it's it's worked all three times. Uh, they protect it very well. Um, but that's definitely the area he's got to improve on is that throwing over the middle uh, on time because those are the balls that he, he's not throwing it so far behind that the receiver can't get a hand on it, but it's too far behind that they are tipping it up into the air, and those yeah. can lead to some easy interceptions for the defense. You'd, you'd much rather – to me, you'd much rather overthrow someone than to yeah. throw it behind someone. Like you'd just rather miss and it just hit the turf <laughs> than for it to be batted up in the yeah. air. But like I said, the ball to the boundary, he throws the ball so hard that I just think that, that that's you got to give that guy credit for a great play. Yeah, I mean, you don't see, I mean, occasionally he'll throw a hitch bad, but for for the most part, you know, and in those I mean, those are this is not if you're a college quarterback, you should be able to to throw those hitch routes with perfection almost every time. Um, but it wasn't a horrible day. I mean, 20, 23 to 35, I think, you know, he the decision making just on that one throw was bad. Uh, and like we said on the other pick, it was, you know, I don't think it was a horrible read. Cohen actually blamed himself on that for because Wandell had just, they had just had that fairly long play. I think it was over 20 yards on a pass play. And then Cohen was upset with himself for sending Wandell on another deep route the very next play. And, um, and he just missed on a couple, like <laughs> a big play to Cummings. Yeah. Off his hand there. What missed Wandell. I mean, those are, he's completed those throws to this point. Yeah, I don't think um, – I mean, I think you got to expect just with how much they're going to throw. I think they're going to throw it at least 30, you know, around 30 times a game probably. I I think you probably got to expect one or two picks a game from Levis. But he's also going to make those throws uh, in some situations that, you know, you just hope that it balances out, I guess. You got to take the good with the bad um, yeah. or the bad with the good, I guess. And uh, – you know, there's going to be a few interceptions, but he's also going to make – I just think – like something at this offense, I just think they have enough pieces to be explosive. So, they're going to struggle at times, but I also think they're going to make enough big plays to, to stay in most games. Which leads us into Brandon's question. Should we utilize Will Levis more as a runner? We know he has a strong arm, but using him in the running game seems like it would open up the offense even more. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think so. Um, I do think – Cohen is a little hesitant just I mean the thing with Levis is I mean he, and he did slide uh he did slide at one point um against Chattanooga he didn't try to run anybody over I do I do think they do not want him doing that unless it's like you know fourth fourth and one you got to have it you know what I mean you know what I mean like they don't want him trying to barrel through guys in the first quarter on first and 10 you know <laughs> I mean it's slide Saturday on a, yeah, on a run which was yeah, to see like you almost slid too far in front of the yeah, well, he almost slid too far in front of the uh, chains on a third down, but they, he got the spot. But, um, y- you know, I, I do think so. I think some more design runs. Of course, they did that on the read option against Missouri. He scored a touchdown. Um, besides that, I mean, his scramble is one of the biggest plays. It was not – obviously, it was a design pass, but he took off, ran for 21 yards. I mean, he he, he runs pretty well. You can tell. I mean, I, I, think, I think so. I think you might see some more of him. In the run game, for sure. He's going to push for 3,000 passing yards this year, Eric, if he has a big game yeah. Saturday. He's at 800 right now. So, um, he's got a chance. I, I can see games him. in the regular season left. Yeah. Probably, I'm sure they'll make it. I would be stunned if they didn't make a bowl game. So he should have, you know, 10 more games to, to get, um, 2,200 yards. Yeah. 
Uh, so let's go to John's question here. Should Brad Watt's job be considered safe? Not saying he should be fired at all, but I haven't been overly impressed with parts of the defense for the last two years. I'm guessing the recruiting on the defensive side of the ball for 22 class helps him. What do you think about no, that? I don't think so. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, Stoops oversees this defense. So, you know, I know Brad calls the plays. He, he does – I would just say I don't think they're doing anything that Stoops isn't comfortable with doing. And um, they have they have real depth issues at some spots. I mean, at cornerback, uh, I guess I mean, we've mentioned the, the number of guys they've lost since last year. But I think it, going back to the Chattanooga game and watching it, and it is what it is, but it, it is like a very risk-averse defense for the most part. They bring blitzes here and there, but it's very much kind of a sit back, more or less let teams kind of do what they want to in the passing game between the 20s. Now, the, the struggle, and this is I'm speaking the obvious, but like when UK stops the run, it's, I mean, that's, that's the big part. I think this defense works much better. Any defense does when you can stop the run, but, you know, Chattanooga was in a ton of second and third and shorts and the flats were open all day and they were just dumping it off over there. And, you know, that bend don't break defense doesn't work as well whenever it's second and second and four, third and three, third and two all the time. Um, so I think they got to do a little bit better job because it does seem like at times they're just giving, giving the other team, if they just want to throw it on first down, just a short pass. I mean, they're going to give up four or five yards probably every single time. And, um, I don't know, though. I mean, I feel like, you know, they're doing what they want to do. I mean, the cornerback issues and the lack of a pass rush, I think, are real concerns. But it, do you do you almost feel like they're going to have to give somewhere? Like, I know they don't really want to play more aggressive because they don't – they try their best and not give up very many big plays. I think that they believe that this style of defense they play – is ultimately what's going to be best for them. But whenever I watched the Chattanooga game yesterday, I almost felt like they're still running a defense for an offense that can't score. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It yeah. does. That they don't take as many chances just yeah. because they don't – like in, in the past, one score would just about determine it Yeah, like, in a certain spot. I, I'd like to see them – I mean, I'd like to see this be a, a defense that – takes advantage of situations and opportunities like a predictable pass and start making some of those plays and finishing some of those plays off where they do get pressure. Uh, because the way Kentucky's turning the ball over on offense, this defense is going to have to kind of create itself and create some havoc itself to kind of even that out, Derek. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just think that there needs to be a little bit more faith maybe in this offense and that if you give up a couple big plays defensively, I, I don't know. I mean, I, these guys know way more than I do. The guys who are over there calling plays, but I, I do think when you when you don't stop them, I mean, if you can't stop their run, you have a hard time beating anybody, regardless. And they that's that's also another thing to point out too, I guess, Sean. Like Missouri, more or less, didn't, didn't even try to run. Um, ULM was not capable. They just didn't have the bodies to run. And Chattanooga, Chattanooga did. I mean, they. They ran right down their throat. I think this will be a, a very good test this weekend because you know South Carolina is going to try to establish the run before anything else. Yeah, they are. Absolutely, which leads us into this question. It's a simple one. Timothy says, is UK any good? Uh, I mean – I don't think they're bad. 
what what is good you know like i i never <clears throat> predicted that they would win the east or anything uh i would th- this weekend will will say a lot i think because as long as they win this game you're you're guaranteed basically as as much as you can be in college football six wins cuz they're going to beat Vanderbilt and they're going to beat New Mexico State and i still think they they should be favored against Louisville and Mississippi State so it's still potentially it, well i'm not even mentioned Tennessee i mean like i it's it's way too early i think to change any long term it is uh well and we're just now, to me, we're just now getting into the part of the schedule where we're going to find out what they are and who they yeah. are and answer those questions. We don't know yet. Like, if this team gets through Saturday 4-0, then they, regardless of how it looked, they did their job. They're I mean, as upset, as upset as people could be Saturday, and I'm not going to say you shouldn't be, I mean, they were literally one yard away from being up three touchdowns in the first half on an SEC team just last week. And I know things happened where, you know, it didn't work out that way, but I think that shows you the potential. If Missouri is the fourth best team in the East, like people thought they were, UK was on the verge of running them out of Kroger Field. So I don't know. I mean, let's let's see what happens Saturday. That's what I would say. And then even then, I mean, they need to be four and zero going into this stretch because I mean, I definitely think it's it's very realistic that they could lose all three games uh, after South Carolina, but. If you're at four and zero, I still think you can go into those final five games um, after after Georgia, of course, with the chance to win all five. Yeah, which uh, now we're going to get into the DM part of the mailbag here. This is from Ezra. Not to excuse the horrible play and the team looking like it was sleepwalking through the whole game, but from what I saw, it seemed like Kentucky went in there trying to run things to clean up on before they went into SEC play. Also, why not let a team like Chattanooga beat you deep? Can't keep getting them. Can't keep getting dinked and dunked on by every team. Also, it seems like teams are targeting Carrington Valentine a lot as well. We really need to get Vito back so he can slide in and play the position Robinson is playing, and Robinson can play Valentine's position. Because from what I remember, wasn't Robinson a DB before injury? I would like your guys' opinion on that. No, Robinson's always been a safety um, his whole career. The um, there are really no other answers at corner, honestly. Um, and if you go by the snap count, uh, Valentine, it was uh, Dorton Mosley that split time, basically. So, Valentine was, was out there for pretty much the whole game. Um, what was the first part to that? Just talking pretty much about what we talked about yesterday, how it, like with Rodriguez not getting the touches on the first drive. Oh, yeah, yeah, cleaning like things that up. They were trying to clean things up before. I mean, you even mentioned Chauncey Magwood getting yes. up there early. Yes, and I, do, you, do you think that that throws off the rhythm, though, that it kind of, to me, that kind of signals, hey, that we can let our foot off the gas here a little bit today. We're going to coast through this one. Where, to me, the, the decision – and I'm not the guy get, getting paid thousands and millions of dollars to make decisions, but to me, it would have been let's put them away and then work on things. Yeah, I, I definitely agree uh, with with that part that they were trying to clean things up. And I, and I agree with you that I do think it sent a message that they thought they didn't have to go full go. And I mean, like I said yesterday, though, I I, I can't necessarily blame them because you, you would have felt like even your like you would have felt like Cavassier Smoke could be your lead back against Chattanooga and you could be fine. But clearly, um, that was not the case. And, uh, I mean, Rodriguez 
was held to very pedestrian numbers. And it's like it reached a point that, um, you know, they couldn't basically couldn't, uh, couldn't turn it back on. I mean, they just, when it became time that they really had to run the ball, they still didn't find very much success, but, um, it's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Next question here is from Ezra. And he says, also, since we haven't gotten any good pressure on the QB, when will the likes of guys like Samuel and Nelly come along? He was fairly highly ranked out of high school. Um, yeah, what do you... he, he was fairly highly ranked out of high school, but he's really not in the mix right now, I don't think. Um, but one guy, actually two guys that I like a lot from that 2020 class, Trayvon Ripka, I think is going to be a very good player. Well, actually – Oxendon did some good things too Saturday, but but Josiah Hayes, I I wouldn't be surprised, Sean, if you see a little bit more of him moving forward. I, I think I think he's very active and is very strong at the point of attack. I, I could see I could see him playing a little bit more, but as of now, Anelli he was very raw. He was highly ranked, but he was also very raw, and that was kind of the book on him. And uh, he switched positions too this year. He was, I think he started at Jack last year and then he moved to defensive end. Um, and with Pascal and Ripka already right there, I don't, I don't think you'll see much of him. And that's, that's, if you want to talk about something that's unfortunate, is by not taking care of business against Chattanooga, you didn't get a chance to work in a lot of the, yeah. a lot of the younger guys. Yeah, that's, that's the unfortunate part about it. Uh, another DM question here. Ryan says, not concerned with Saturday's game, but obviously the turnovers have to stop. Mm-hmm. Cohen admitted to not having the offense ready to go and wanting to work on the pass game, but how does anyone explain the lack of a ground game? Also, any word on the legal issues or recently injured players coming back? So talking about Jordan Wright and then obviously everything with Vito Tisdale and those guys. Uh, I've not heard anything on that one. I uh, haven't heard anything at all on the legal issues. I saw we had a few questions about Dekel Crowdis. Um, I asked about Dekel to start the season just because I think he got hurt, what, like early to mid-August? I think like August 13th about three, maybe. It's about three weeks before the first game, wasn't it? At yeah. Least. So, like, the way that – and, again, like, you never know with injuries, but, like, the way they were talking, it was like they kind of thought he might be back in a matter of weeks. And, you know, it's been over a month now. And I've not heard any updates on him. I don't. I don't think he's returned to practice. Um. So, yeah, on those injured guys, things like that. I, I would. I would expect Jordan Wright will be back this weekend. I felt like they held him out solely because they didn't feel like they would need him against Chattanooga. Um. But I would think 
if I remember looking down there, I don't think he was even like in a boot or I, I don't know what he hurt though. On a, do you know what his injury was? I don't know what his injury no. was. It was a, um, uh, I mean, it wasn't supposedly a knee. I didn't, I didn't see anything. Like he looked normal down there to me. I mean, he was walking around fine. So I think he should be good to go Saturday. Um, oh, okay. I thought we were still talking about DeKell. My fault. Oh, yeah. No, DeKell. Yeah, DeKell's was definitely a knee injury. Yeah. Okay, but Jordan Wright. No, you're good. Um, and then on the run game, yeah, like, um, I know we all hope that they, you know, they can just, that they're good enough on the ground that they can just go about it and just be able to flip it no matter what. But I mean, listen to Cohen talk. He clearly wanted to scheme up the passing game more. He said that they were not as detailed as they should have been in the run game. And, you know. That's the thing about this offense now, though. It's got both parts to it. Yeah, I mean. It was a lot of work on the run game and not as much on the passing game. Now there's got to be that balance, and you want to be good at both. And they have to be good at both. I I did not think it was a very good day for – I mean, really for anybody, honestly, on that line. Um, On the third down and two – that or third and one maybe they tried to give it off to uh, uh i think it might have been smoke was still in and horsey and rosenthal both just totally whiffed on their assignments and i mean as soon as smoke got it he got hit for a loss and that was at the point where i think a lot of people were like oh my goodness like they i think it was 14 to 13 at that point and when you couldn't get a third and one run or third and two against chattanooga i think that's when a lot of people started to get uneasy so <laughs> I think even on that final touchdown drive, Sean, I think Flax and Austin Dotson were in on the left side. So, I mean, they were – I'm sure Wolford was, was very un, unhappy with how that unit played on Saturday. And uh, But if this group is – I, I think more than any other group, honestly, if they might have got a wake-up call, it was, that, it was that offensive line that you couldn't just show up. And I, I think that group has so much pride and to know that – they barely rushed for 100 yards. And, again, they didn't just sit there and try to pound it all game. But the fact that you barely broke 100 yards a week after they rushed for 340, I mean, I think this group will be the one. And, listen, South Carolina's a stout defensive. If there's a strength on South Carolina's team, it is the defensive line, that front seven um, for them. So, the, the more I look at this, I mean, it. I do not think by any means this is going to be an easy game for UK. I think this will be a very difficult game. Um, I don't think South Carolina is better. But we talked about the turnovers. We talked about establishing the run. If they don't do certain things, they absolutely could lose this game. Yeah, they absolutely could. So, well, our mailbag is really busy. Like, this is this is a good thing. Like, uh, probably a good thing that we did start splitting these mailbags or not. If not, this would have been a two-hour episode. Two and a <laughs> so half hours. Yeah. Let's go to Bluegrass Recruiting's question. Roster usage, question mark. Lots of compliments for Rashawn Lewis, Lavelle Wright from other players, but not many snaps. Are we going to play them, or are we trying to save a red shirt? Roster decisions, question mark, or are they going to be used as a surprise for some opponent? I do. I don't know if Lavelle Wright has hurt or what, but he's not been dressed out the last few games. So I don't know what what exactly is, that is going on there. But um, Rashawn, I mean, I, he, I just think they like other guys more. Um, he was a good story out of camp, but – you know, clearly once they've got to the games, they feel like they have other guys that are a little bit better. So with an injury or two, perhaps you could see Rashawn out there, but I was curious on Lavelle Wright because I felt like 
I mean, I said it on here numerous times uh, with uh, McLean out. I felt like he was maybe just an injury away from from getting some real action. But, you know, they've basically only used two running backs this year in the run game. It's basically only – I mean, obviously a heavy dose Rodriguez and then Smoke. I mean, even Drennan, the, the third back at this point, really is not getting carries. So – I would I would say Wright is certainly on his way to a red shirt as long as there are no injuries. And Corey has a question here. He's got two. I'm going to do the other one in the basketball mailbag. So this okay. one says, how big is the commitment of Tyrese Fearbury? Both him and Keaton Wade look like absolute studs. Looks like UK has some major edge defenders coming. Can Derek talk about both of those players, like how good he thinks they will be? How big is it to get both of them since it's such a big position of need? And then how soon does he think they will play at UK? Maybe as early as next year, or does he think it'll be two to three years before we see them really making an impact? Yeah, good question. Uh, I definitely think Keaton Wade has a, has a good chance to play next year. Because, I mean, Wright's going to graduate. Um, I, I would think they might go to the portal at that spot, potentially. Because uh, I, I still – I'm assuming Weaver is going to be there next year. I don't think he's going to be – I think he might be ready for the NFL after next season. That'll be his fourth year at UK. Um, but I think Wade, I mean, he's an, he's an All-American. He got, got – he's got – I don't know if it's nominated or voted in. I mean, he's going to be playing in the All-American game. So, that's a huge get right there. And his brother's having a great year too. Uh, Dustin is as well. Uh, not not the same caliber of recruit, but um, Fearby is you – know, he's ranked a little higher actually. Than Wade, um, he I think I, I I would say between the two, and this is just me talking based on what I've heard. I would think Wade might be a little bit more ready to play. I think Fearby might be a little bit raw. Um, but when you're talking about you know when you sign a guy, you hope you know you have four to five years with this guy. I would say the magnitude of having both those guys in the same class. It's I don't know if they've signed a class where they had two guys like that. So, they're huge commitments. Um, the, both the Wade twins seem to be very firm in their commitments. I don't, I've not heard any reason at all to to worry about those guys. But again, Fearby was committed to Penn State. Like I said yesterday, I'm not sure if he was actually at Pittsburgh, but the the that uh, was reported that he was going to be at Pittsburgh the day that he committed to UK. So, I know there are some people who cover recruiting in Pennsylvania who, who think that he still has a long way to go in his recruitment, but. You know, he liked UK enough to commit right now, and UK's kind of always been there. As a matter of fact, I was on his profile when he committed, and he had done an interview weeks ago, I think early this month, before he had committed anywhere, and he was just wearing a UK, like, pullover <laughs> in that interview. So, I mean, I think UK's been on his mind for a while, and with this early signing period, I mean, they got to hold on to him for, what, three more months, basically? Yeah. So, still still an eternity, I guess, in recruiting. But, no, to, to answer the question, those are huge commitments. And, and Josh Josephs is another guy that uh, – Michigan seems to be the favorite right now, but UK still thinks it's right there and can, can potentially get. If you have those three guys in this class, that's a major upgrade long-term to uh, the outside and then edge positions. And Tim has a question here. He says, it seemed like some internal problems with the team. And he mentions Rodriguez not starting. I, I don't see any internal issues. I think it all boiled down to that they were trying to get others involved, try to get some things cleaned up, Derek. I think that that's what led to, to him not starting. I mean, he was on there for the first snap, I, I believe, right? I heard them say in the press box yeah. behind me that he was out there for snap one. 
He was, and I don't know if we mentioned this yesterday, but Cohen said that he has like a wrist issue too. So I think they were just trying not to get him beat up against Chattanooga if they didn't have to. So that makes sense. And then right here, Sam has a couple of questions. Uh, blitz timing is horrible. Blitzers keep coming too late and get caught in no man's land. At the at at that point, it's eleven on ten. And then said both lines got abused. Specifically, the offensive line got pushed back on almost all run and pass plays. Some nice pockets, but still so much pressure and push. I agree with everything Sam says yeah. there, right? Like <laughs> I don't even I don't even know if we need to even answer anything about that. Sam, it sounds like you answered answered the entire question there because those are and he mentioned eight penalties as well. I mean, it's all areas that need to get cleaned up before Saturday. It was a bad – it was bad, yeah, no doubt about it. It was a very poorly played game from UK. <laughs> and like Stoop said after the game, like the best thing you can say is that they won. I mean, they, they got out of there. Been, this should have been what I led off with, Stephen's <clears> question. <throat> and he, I, I remember seeing this pop up too. He sent this before Stoops took the podium Saturday. He goes, football mailback question, what the hell was that? <laughs> That's what I, I meant to lead off with that. Steven, I apologize. That should have been the that should have been honestly the title of the episode. It's what the hell is that? <laughs> it's good stuff. It is. Yeah. So hopefully we've addressed what the hell that was. <laughs> like we've done our best. Yeah, we have. And then here, Gabriel has a question. So we're we're having some people enter the mailbag for the first time, Derek, which is really encouraging, which tells me yeah. either we've We've got new listeners or just people that are, you know, coming around and saying, hey, I want to hop in on this as well. Do you and Derek think Stoops takes over the third quarter offensive game plan? Because against Missouri and Chattanooga, they look a lot like yours with Eddie Grant. Then in the fourth quarter, the offense opens back up like the first half. What do you think, Derek? Um, I don't know. I don't think he – I think UK with this offense, I mean, I think that they know that they just had to run the ball better. And I think I think what you saw to start the third quarter was UK trying to establish balance because there was not balance in the first half. They threw it 28 times, I think. I don't remember the runs. But they don't want to – I don't think Stoops wants to – I don't think Cohen does either. Like, I don't think they want to get that out of whack on, on the balance. So, I think that that's – I think they were trying to get the run game going set up the play action off that, set up the passing plays off the run. And the, the problem was they just didn't really establish the run. So um, fourth quarter, I mean, of course, they were up down at that point. So they had to – well, I guess they still had enough time. They didn't really have to throw it every single time. It just kind of how it worked out. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't, do I think he has a say in, you know, the direction they go? Like, yeah, I do. But I don't think he told Cohen, like, hey – come out and run the football every single play here in the third quarter. I, I think they were just trying to get back to establishing some ground game. And unfortunately for them, somehow they were not able to do that. Yeah. And uh, I think this is the final one here <clears throat> from Ron says, is it time to panic or be realistic when assessing the UK football defensive unit this year, fear or reality that October might not be a treat for BB and football faithful? <laughs> well, uh, Kentucky's going to have to score points this year, too. Like, the defense yeah, is going to give up some stuff, especially in that stretch. But I'm not ready to I'm not ready to pull the plug on the defense yet, though, Derek. I'm not. 
No, I think um, – I mean, they're going to have to change some things up, no doubt about it. I don't think they can keep – you know, the way that they've played to start the season – well, again, against ULM, they were very good outside of that first drive, but I, that's a bad team. We, we know that. I mean, I think Chattanooga is better than ULM. Um, but against Missouri, I mean, like I said, that night or the next day, I don't, I don't think they're going to play many teams. Tennessee will throw it a lot against them, but for the most part, teams aren't going to sit back and throw it – as much, but you know, they, they, there's no doubt they got to get better. I mean, if this is, if this is how the defense is going to be, and this is kind of, I, I definitely think it, not just the defense. I mean, there are, there are several areas right now that I would say are concerning. I mean, you get the, I, mean, I don't, I don't worry as much about the offensive line. I really think that those guys are veteran enough. I think they're talented enough. They'll, they'll get it figured out, yeah. but the defense as a whole, yeah, like I think it's definitely going to limit how good they can be. I, I, I just think they got to get some more turnovers too, and I guess it's going to come from being more aggressive because it's like I said, just watching Saturday, it almost felt like they're just kind of waiting for for the offense to to mess up basically. Yeah, Like whenever Chattanooga got off rhythm, it was kind of because they got off rhythm themselves, not really anything that Kentucky did. And I, it's, it's hard for me to understand uh, – how it's been like this, but you just got to hope that guys keep developing, I would say. But the weird thing about that, Sean, is they're so old on defense that it's just kind of puzzling, I it guess, is. to this point. It is. And we'll, we'll see if they get it figured out Saturday. Austin has a question here, but I'm going to move it to the basketball mailbag because I need to think about it. Okay. And uh, I'll, I'll read it here. If you had to swap three players on the football team with three on the basketball team and they had to play the same position as the person they switched with, who would you pick and why? I need to think. Jordan Wright would be in there, though. Chris Lewis was like an all-state basketball player. Oh, man, maybe we could answer this one here. Yeah, Chris Lewis. Let me think. Is there anyone else? Yeah, guard size, though. I'm thinking here. Jordan. I was going to go Jordan Wright because of his length. And you know yeah. that he could. He's a high school hooper. Who would you switch them with, though? I'm having a harder time thinking on the who on the basketball team I would think could play football. Yeah, same. So, so Russ they really Hopkins. have that. Uh, running Russ back. Hopkins would be on the football team. Yeah, he has a football body. She boy being offensive <laughs> He's line. Got a football body. I'm trying to think here. Is there I was a, thinking Savir Wheeler, a little five eight bowling ball, a little running back, <laughs> running back action, but uh. Besides that, dude, I don't know. Like, even Sheboy, he probably weighs, what, like 230? Yeah. Or you could put, like, maybe defensive end, cause he's, but I don't know. Like, the... Not putting Damian Collins out there. No, you're not putting him. I would say uh, there are some fun, you can call them fun, dumb, whatever questions I get asked to these guys sometimes. I truly would like to, like, see how good Kentucky's best five football players would do. I mean, like, those guys, when I was in college – like I think Glenn Faulkner played, if you remember him, I think he like lived at the JC, the Johnson Center at UK. I mean, he was down there like every single day that I was. I worked at the Johnson Center, saw him, and he was in there all the time. And uh, I mean, you get those guys down there in the offseason, they can, they're just so much more athletic than the common, <laughs> the average UK student, uh, basketball, the football players would go in there and just whatever court they wanted to play on, they would stay out there all day. But I'd, I'd be curious to know the five best. I mean, there are guys like on their football team who are all like area, all district, like very talented basketball players and just happen to go with 
I didn't I think Chris Lewis had an offer to UAB to play basketball, like for both. He could have like he had a football and basketball. So he'd be interesting to see out there at the JC. Yeah. Uh, definitely some dudes though that I think it's easier for some dudes to move over to the basketball side than it is for the, some of the foot from the oh, basketball yeah. guys to move to the football side. So definitely a fun question there. That covers the football mailbag. If I've missed someone, I apologize. Remind me. I'll get to it on the next football mailbag. Uh, Derek, pretty solid football mailbag after three games. We we expected these to pick up. They certainly have. As always, this show is powered by Blue Wire Pods. It's also powered by the Butcher's Pub, three locations, Palmville, Williamsburg, London, Kentucky. You can visit thebutcherspub.com or check them out on Facebook. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. 